This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including writing creative nonfiction. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with us in the Weekly Standard to look at events this week, Bill Crystal, and clearly the hottest story of this week, Bill, the decision by the Maryland State's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, to uh, charge the six officers in the Freddie Gray case with crimes ranging up to second-degree murder. Yeah, pretty pretty striking. I mean, I've learned a long time ago not to comment on or second-guess you know, prosecutors' decisions or non-decisions based on very partial knowledge those on the outside have, but um, it seems like they're trying to do their job there, and I wish everyone would just do his job or her job in Baltimore and refrain from politicizing this. But one of the key jobs is to preserve law and order. Now, part of law and order is charging police officers with uh, uh, crime, with criminal charges if they've done something criminal. I mean, that's absolutely part of having a serious uh, commitment to law and order. The other part of it is not letting gangs riot and not letting providing space to, for people to destroy things. And I think, and I really am sort of slightly obsessed with this, but not not having a baseball game without any fans, right. trying to really establish that the, you know civilization is uh, can triumph over the, the collapse of civilization that one sees all too often around us these days. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with your suggestion of a Cheney-Giuliani ticket. And then you found out that other members of law enforcement who had come into Baltimore for outs, from outside confirmed that there were stand-down orders coming from the mayor's office and the police commissioner's office that, as Fox News quoted her as saying to a police officer, let them loot, it's just property. And you go, oh, my gosh, this really is the uh, abandon the world to whatever outcome approach that we've seen in, in foreign policy from Washington and now in local crime policy in Baltimore. You know, it had such a bad effect. I mean, not just in the direct effect of people's uh, property being looted and, and the corrosive effect of confidence that government is doing its primary job of protecting people's lives and property in the sense that, you know, government's not there for you, especially if it's politically difficult to be there for you. And then I, I just, you can't, I mean, I, I was a young person in the 60s, a uh, kid really, but I, I remember the effect it had all around and, and the reaction to the 60s, which I was most sympathetic to, but still that had its own negative effects. And the idea that we're going to have to go through this whole cycle again is really stressing. And that's where, again, I come, I, I'm, I, it's like farm, it is like farm policy. you got to be very strong at the beginning because later on, the kind of strength you have to use becomes often excessive strength. And um, now the deeper problems also, I think the Baltimore thing may have stimulated a little bit of a debate about that, what's happening in our inner cities, the total absence of fathers, what can adults, what can institutions do to step in. Um, that's a serious debate that really has to be had in our country, and it's one that has to be had honestly, and that's tough 
when everyone is on, you know, tenterhooks about saying something that might look insensitive or politically incorrect. So the uh, political strate- strategy, it might be, is to say nothing, which is pretty much what Hillary Clinton has done. I mean, she did give a speech, but it was really short on specifics for addressing, say, income inequality and joblessness in inner cities. I mean, the, to the idea that the problem of the inner city Baltimore has anything to do with income inequality, I don't know. You can be for less inequality or steeper progressive tax rates. These people are not paying taxes. These people are getting horrible government services from a city that has high taxes and has high tax revenues and spends a ton on education and provides a horrible education. So, I mean, but the idea that Baltimore is going to become some kind of symbol for a fashionable progressive agenda is truly ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but of the all the ridiculous things that could have come out of Hillary Clinton's mouth in that speech, when I heard her say the sentence, we need to restore trust in politics. I have to tell you, I'm not, I honestly did a double take, a physical, what, I'm sorry, of all the people in the world who are allowed to lecture to me about the corrosive effect of dishonesty and untrustworthiness in politics, Mrs. Bill Clinton is nowhere near that list. I mean, we've discussed this before. I'm up here in Boston as we're talking and speaking, and I did a lot of people from Harvard who know Elizabeth Warren, and I said, why isn't she running? I just can't believe that uh, some Democrats are going to say, Mark and Hillary not being great on the issues from their point of view, don't they deserve to have someone who's sort of not as ethically challenged and wouldn't be? Uh, I mean, I just kind of, if you are a serious progressive, don't you worry that she's just utterly going to distort and swamp any attempt to make the case, even if she were making a progressive case? Because it's going to be all about her server and the emails and everything else. But I said, uh, I think of all of our other challenges. The more one learns about this foundation, the more obvious it, it is that it wasn't it wasn't the foundation as you and I know the term, you know? It was a very different <laughs> kind of enterprise the Clintons were running there. And but I guess they got the Democrats pretty uh, intimidated. I, all I got to say is Hillary Clinton telling me we need more honesty in politics is like Lindsay Lohan telling me that friends don't let friends drive drunk. I'm not sure the best spokesperson for that. Uh, what about her uh, public positions or lack thereof on this Iran deal? Are we going to see a classic Clintonian uh, effort to essentially not take any position and then after it's all over, either seize some credit for good news or throw the you know, pass the blame for bad? I'm sure she'd like to do that. She certainly hasn't been inserting herself in the current debate. It's a pretty interesting debate in the Senate about whether there shouldn't be amendments to the pork garden bill to clarify what is and isn't a good deal. And I think there's strongly think there should be. I'm not sure we're going to win that fight. But I'm mean, think that a deal, there will be a deal, I think. And if there's a deal, the Senate and the House will vote on it. And it will be debated. And the presidential candidates will take positions on it. And she will have to take a position. I, I'm sure she'll, I, I would think she would support it. Uh, partly because she may believe in it, partly because she can't afford to take on the left wing of the Democratic Party, um, and the Republicans will criticize the deal. And that would be a pretty good window, I think, into the different views of the two political parties on foreign policy. I think Iran, you know, the notion that people sometimes talk about Iran, we're having a little debate now, and then it's going to go away, but there will be a moment, probably you know, July 1st or so, when it's a deal that will be debated in the Congress, and then, of course, the next year we'll see its implementation or not. So I, I think Iran will actually be a weirdly big issue in the 2016 election. 
But you know, you, people say, well, she's going to have to take a position. She's going to have to say, I see no evidence of that. I, 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 well, this is a woman who still hasn't explained how she made a hundred grand in the futures market using nothing but the want ads in the Wall Street Journal in the 1990s. I can absolutely see her declining to take a clear position. You know, a, a, to keep stick with the old. You know, some of the people are for it, and some of the people are against it, and I'm with the people kind of approach. Well, you could be right. Her husband in 1991, too. I remember being frustrated about this in the Bush White House. And I had to take a position on the first Gulf War that uh, um, he understood the people who voted for it. He understood the people who voted against it. I said, what did he say? He thought he would have voted against it, but he understood being sympathetic with the people who made the argument for voting for it. Then he picked Al Gore, who would have voted for it as his VP, partly to signal that he was tougher than a Mike Dukakis, uh, Walter Mondale type Democrat. So God knows they have a lot of experience in triangulating. Uh, on the other hand, I just think if she's running for president and there's this pending question before, before the Congress, you'd think she would have to say which way she would vote. Oh, only that's if the why, voters demand simple-minded, old-fashioned, you know, view. And of course, Michael, remember the liberal media, they're going to really push her hard. They're <laughs> going to make her hold her feet to the fire. They're not going to let her get away with evasions. Or not a so chance. That, they'll help us out. They'll help us out. Can I, can I interject a personal note here? I'm, I'm hijacking your podcast, but I, just, I heard a comment from Chris Cuomo on CNN today that your listeners deserve to hear. When he was trying to explain how uh, he didn't understand why there, were, there was all this tension in Baltimore because, and this is a direct quote, Bill. You got a, a black mayor, you got a black police uh, commissioner, you got a black prosecutor, you know, you have tons of black councilmen and women here. They're all Democrat. They're all, you know, there's so much diversity. And, yeah, it's funny. And I, fantastic. And I, it, there really is this kind of notion, this filter that the media go through where it's all diverse like me. You know, it's the line from yeah. uh, the Blues Brothers where they go to the bar and ask what kind of music. She says, oh, we have both kinds, country and Western. And they, tr- they truly don't see it, do they? Well, it's fantastic in two levels. The one you mentioned, which is diversity, you know, it's, it's all one group and one party, but it's diverse. But the other is that it, it's so pa- unbelievably patronizing to the citizens, people who live in Baltimore, because they might be mostly black and they have black elected officials. They should be fine with everything. They shouldn't actually be upset mm-hmm. that the schools are horrible or the jobs are leaving or the communities are dangerous. You know, I mean, it's what kind of attitude is that towards? Citizens. The, I mean, that was like the arrogance, I would say, of the elite liberal media is amazing. You keep thinking it can't get worse. It's, they're going to learn. They've looked by reality. They've got to come back to earth. But they, they sail along in, in their own way. And they're all going to sit in that same circle and tell themselves that we're being tough on Hillary Clinton because we're asking her tough questions about whether or not she ordered a burrito. And they're never going to miss the what about all the tough questions. My, one of my favorite moments of this week, Bill, was when President Obama was uh, giving an interview to a kid at a school and the kid cut him off because his answer was too long. You've already covered that, Mr. President. And I thought, can we hire him to be the White House correspondent for MSNBC right now? No, because he would have too jaundiced the view of the White House correspondents, ah. or he wouldn't. He wouldn't really appreciate what a wonderful occasion that is for media elites to mix with political elites and show the country how ridiculously sort of self-regarding and and uh, vain they are. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us for the Weekly Standard podcast. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.